You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. And continue from where we left off. Yesterday, we analyzed the Mishnah pretty thoroughly and uh, using Rashi. Uh, today, if you're looking at the Talmud page, this is the Gemara on Tesvavah Medbez in Beitza, from Sethus Bay or Beitza. And if we are starting from the lines from the top, we would go the third, fourth, fifth, sixth. The third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth line. Let's start again from the ninth line from the top. So this is a key Gemara word. How do we know these words? Now again, the, whenever you see Minoani Mile or Manham, you know there was something novel, as I said yesterday, that the Mishnah wants to try to find out. The most novel thing in the Mishnah is that this shtick works, that Erev Tamshilin works. That's what the Talmud is trying to figure out. And it goes about it, as we're going to find out today, in not the most uh, systematic way. Not in the way that you'd expect, which is sort of chronological from sources. It starts with a statement of Shmuel. Shmuel wielded a big bat in the time of the Talmud. Shmuel, the first generation giant Amora in terms of his influence. And therefore, his Pasuk starts everything out. And as we said yesterday, it, it, it actually uh, works off the colloquial translation of the word Zachor. Remember me, Zachor, Yiskor. I think today is uh, Yom HaShoah, I believe, a day that uh, there is a lot of ideas of remembering. And there's also the other idea of Zachor today, which is also speaking and talking, bringing up, summoning up uh, an idea. That's also what Zachor means. When we talk about Zachor, 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 Amolek, we don't remember what Amalek did because we weren't there, but we've studied about it. So we're not really remembering something from our memory banks. We're actually creating. The word Zachor is more about an imaginative faculty that we use and then give articulation to it. Again, I can go into this at length about what that word means. But Shmuel is actually zeroing in on the colloquial normal translation, I would say, of Zohar is remembering. And therefore he says, well, Zohar at Yom HaShabbat Lekadcho. Remember uh, Shabbat. Remember Shabbos. Hmm, why are you going to have to remember it? Oh, because there are certain times you might forget it. Let's read the line again from yesterday. Zohareyu. Remember that Shabbos. Zohareyu, remember Shabbos. The Achar, because since you're in a situation, Akhar, after something has occurred, a certain event has occurred, a certain calendar happenstance has occurred, which is that Friday is a Yomtov, that's Shabbat Hashkicho. The tendency would be to just let Shabbos be forgotten. That's what Shmuel explained, which therefore somehow leads you to say, well, how am I going to remember that? Oh, that's when a Friday is Yomtov, Shabbos looks like it's going to be forgotten. I need to do something to remember Shabbos, to remember to cook and have enough food ready for Shabbos. That's the source, so to speak, of Eruv Tavshilin. Now, um, 
because what you did was a way to remember Shabbos before Shabbos started. Okay? Just to read a little bit of the Rashi from yesterday, which we skipped. Here's the Rashi on the fifth line. So Rashi, first of all, starts with, again, doing the exact same thing I did. (laughs) In general, you have to understand, I always tell my students, Rashi is your friend. The main purpose of Rashi is not to be um, exciting or novel. There are incredibly interesting insights and brilliant, pithy passages in Rashi. But Rashi is really about helping you through. And Rashi is uh, sort of like anticipating what his reader might have a problem with. So the first thing the reader is going to have a problem is, well, first of all, let's even start with the very first Rashi, because the third line, the reader should be having a problem. What are we trying to figure out? And normally Rashi knows and the reader knows, the average reader knows, that where do we know this from? So it's usually a, a, a Pusik source. So Rashi tells you right away, and again, we'll do the Rashi inside, because I think with the audience that we have today, I think it's important for them to read Rashi's. Every Rashi is a layup, or I'm not sure what the soccer uh, uh, parallel is, but something like that, whatever a, a good soccer player would need to, to get better at soccer, that would be every Rashi would help. Yeah, okay, so here we go. So first of Rashi says, Lav Davka. Hmm. Mikroi Yolif. Those four words. So this is a word everybody knows. This is like one of the words from the Talmud that has become part of uh, the language of Yiddishing, Yiddish, Yiddishlish, or whatever it's called, Yeshivlish or Yiddishist, which is Davka. I, Davka, do not want you to go. Davka. So Davka means very specific. It comes from the word dok, actually, which means subtle and therefore specific. And therefore the vav sort of became a V sound. Davka. So therefore, what Rashi is telling you, lav Davka means it's not so specific. Lav Davka. You hear that as well. That's also be, that's also a, a common yeshiva term. Does it have to be today? Lavdavka. It doesn't have to be today. It can be tomorrow. Lavdavka. Here it is on display in its sort of original form. Lavdavka. It doesn't mean specifically or exactly. That's what the word dok means. Dok means something very fine-tuned and specific. So lav means it's not so specific. What's not specific? What's not exact? The next word in Rashi, mikroi yolif. It's not, doesn't really mean that the pusik, remember what I said, kro means, kro is pusik. Kroi, it's not meant from, it's not from the pusik or psukim. Kroi would be plural. It isn't specifically from psukim. Next word, the next line of Rashi, yolif. Okay, this is an Aramaic word, but it also has connections to the uh, Hebrew language. At the end of Parshas Vayishlach, the Torah speaks about aluf, alufim. It speaks about these uh, generals, as it's sometimes in modern Hebrew translated. And we know it means leaders, and we know it means people of great influence. Aluf Esav, these were the, the important people. 
in, in Aramaic, what it means, in modern Hebrew, it means a general, like the aluf. But that is really a sort of a, 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 a perverted translation. It's not really correct. The word yolif, like the word aluf, means someone that that influences others primarily in, in the Talmud sense by teaching. Yalfinan is a very common uh, Gemara word. Yolif means to learn from. So Yolif is is to is to impress and to ex, uh, connect and learning. So let's read the whole Rashi phrase now. Yolif. It isn't really exactly from Psukim that this is learnt. Why not? Why can't it be from a Pasuk, Rashi says. Shmuel mentions a Pasuk. So Rashi says, This topic that we're studying about, Eruv Tavshilin, is definitely a rabbinical law. And there's you can't prove a rabbinical law or legislation from a Pasuk. So if I say, that you have to say Kriyat Shema. So you'd say, it says, that shows you need to say something specifically every evening and in the daytime when you wake up. Hopefully it should be early. (laughs) But the point is, is that that's a Pusik for saying Kriyashma. It makes sense. That's Minohani Mile. Rashi is saying, how could you ask Minohani Mile when we know it's something that was created by the rabbis? Now, obviously, it was already created by the time the Mishnah was written. We'll figure out how early it was that the rabbis came up with Erev Tavshilin. But Rabbanim have been instituting Takanot since the time of Moshe Rabbeinu. But yet, even the Takanot of Moshe Rabbeinu, like Kriya Satoh and other things, are not from the Torah itself. Those are institutions, rabbinic institutions, that God wants us to listen to. But they don't have an actual primary source in the Torah for that specific subject. So therefore, Rashi is saying, hmm, how could you quote a Pusik for Erev Tavshilin? And in fact, the whole question seems to be wrong. What do you mean, Nohani Mile? From where in the Torah do we know this Chidush? Well, it's not from the Torah. That's what Rashi is saying. Because Erev Tavshilin is the Rabbanon. Hmm. So why did we use these words, then? Rashi expects you to have that question. <laughs> That's why Rashi decided to be your friend here and say, I'm scratching my head here. Isn't Erev Tavshiwan the Rabbanon? And we're using, we're using the Minohani Mile term, which is a term for, we're using a Minohani Mile term, and Minohani Mile is a term for Torah sources. Hmm. So Rashi continues and says, Hachi kamivoyele. Hachi means here. This, ka, where we are, this is what, like the Gemara standing, mivoyele, the word boy, especially in the Talmud Bavli, the Yishalmi doesn't mean that, but in the Talmud Bavli, it means this is what was desirous, what was wanting. This is what they wanted to know. Lay, to him, meaning the Talmud, the, the writer of the Talmud, is lay. This is what was being asked by the writer of the Talmud. This was the question. It wasn't really Minohani Mile. It was, Ahecha, where? Ahecha, on where? 
Asmachu Rabbanan. Where did the rabbis? Where did the rabbis get their source from? That was the question. The question was. The que- again, you'll be able to unmute yourself if you want. The question was, where did the rabbis get it from? Remember, we talked about somech yesterday, in yesterday's uh, fundamentals. Somech is to depend on, meaning, where did the rabbanon get their thing that they depended on? Now, again, this might be a good... Uh, so first, what did Rashi answer? Then a little bit of a, of, of a tangent. Rashi has said that the Talmud in this question is really asking, give me the Torah source that is not a true source, but is sort of what the rabbis played with in order to, in order to sort of push their agenda. What was their tagline, so to speak? What was the, what was the verse in the Torah that they used? That is sort of a reflection, but not definitely the pshat. But it's strong enough. And this is really the tangent. Whenever, right, so when Bachi is asking, yes, this is an asmachta. An asmachta is always, uh, it, it has, it, it's not like complete, it's not like a chasidish drush. It's not like, oh, we take a remez. Although sometimes it borders on it, basically asmachta are the rabbis, and again, not everyone agrees to this. The Rambam and others, and I'm going to go with the Rambam's opinion right now. The asmachta is a way that the very wily, smart rabbis had of making sure their legislation would be acceptable because it was based on the familiar. Every good teacher does this as well. I try to do it. I know I'm speaking to people in the year of 2020 of Corona, so therefore I will pepper my references with things that are familiar to them that allow what I'm trying to teach to coalesce around you. The rabbis were also master teachers and legislators. If they had an idea for something, they wanted it to sort of seem like it was connected to the Torah as well, and that the verse in the Torah seems to be talking about it in their way of presenting it. So they didn't just want to present the law of Erev Tavshilet. They wanted to actually, in this case, hearken back to one of the Ten Commandments, the, the commandment that introduces Shabbos. And to use that, and that's a very powerful tagline, right? It's a very powerful place to, 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 to siphon from and create a source. It's not a real source, but it really puts muscle, although it's really a fictitious muscle, but it but the muscle of people's acceptance. Oh, I remember that. That's that, that's about Zohar Shema Shabbos Lakacho. Now, again, uh, here's one parenthesis. Did the Rambam mean that the people didn't really comprehend by the end of the day that this was just rabbinic? Was the fusion that the rabbis did of taking the Pusik so effective that there's going to be 50-60% of people who think that, hey, that's what the Pusik means. And are the rabbis upset about that? There's an argument to be made, no, they're not upset, because they got what they wanted. 
they got the law instituted. The fact that people don't know that it's exactly the Rabbonin or not, they're okay with people following their directives. And if this, we use the Torah for a good cause, and that, and, and, and the world is better for it, <laughs> even though there's people who think it's from the Torah and it's really not. An argument, and I believe that's probably true, but an argument can be made that that would be the Rambam's take on Asmachta. Yeah, and that's why many times you see in the Talmud, the Talmud says, hey, that's only an Asmachta. Oh, because by the time the, 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 the rabbis in the Gemara, the Amaroyim spoke about it, there was confusion whether it's clearly an Asmachta or not, right? One of the most famous ones is Minayim, that you're not allowed to make a brochel of Atola, the Rambam halachically says that it actually you do violate one of the Ten Commandments by making a bracha that you don't need. Whereas other Rishonim say, no, that was only, even though the Talmud says that, that making an, a, a, a bracha unnecessarily is a violation of taking God's name in vain, other rabbis, other Rishonim say, but that's only an asmachta when the Gemara uses that. <laughs> it, it, it's clearly don't make brachos of atova. But if you think that you should make a brach and you're thinking about God when you're saying it, okay, you didn't, you made amotzi already, so you don't need to make the shahakal when, when you drink the Pepsi. Okay, but is it called taking God's name in vain? Right? So that is, so this machlokas really would never have happened had the rabbis, had this idea that Asmachta not been around. Because the people who argue with the Rambam say, I know the Gemara says, if you make a bracha shein it's like you took God's name in vain. It's only an Asmachta. That's what, because they wanted to put muscle behind it. They wanted to make sure people are, 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 are careful, meticulous with their brachot. But it was only an Asmachta. Okay? So that's really the way Asmachta is. And Rashi says it's got to be just an Asmachta here. And that's what we're looking for. Where's, where's the Asmachta? And therefore Rashi says, Minani Mile really is incorrect, but it's sort of like an unusual Minani Mile. All right? So now that we explained a little bit, now again, I, I mentioned that when it comes to the uh, topic of Asmachta, uh, that was the Rambam's opinion. There's a famous Ritvo, in Rosh Hashanah that is quoted by almost everyone that says that Asmachta is really somehow, even though the rabbis came up with it in their ingenuity, all of the Asmachtas are really the rabbis somehow discovering the truth that was said to Moshe as well. That every Asmachta was really part of that Torah that was given to Moshe originally. And they're just like taking it out of the marble bag and showing it. But really, the asmachtas are really also, in a way, part of Torah, true Torah. They aren't just some cute connection. They are, in a, and again, you have to look at the Ritva inside. And I know why the Ritva is saying this, because um, he, he wants to say that everything the rabbis said, even the asmachtas, were really built on Torah principles from, from Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's the Ritva's opinion. The Rambam clearly does not agree with that. And I understand where the Ritva was coming from. I'm going to even uh, suggest that part of it was the Ritva trying to put a clamp 
on people pay, not listening to the Rabbonon and, and not caring about rabbinical law, which had started in Spain in the Ritva's time. So I think the Ritva was within his uh, rights as one of the Gedolim and writers of Klau Yisrael to sort of uh, strengthen the idea of Asmachta, because people were, uh, at that time, we know from records uh, uh, of, of contemporaneous, uh, even before the time of the Ritva, Jews had stopped uh, in many ways doing many of the mitzvot and, 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 and putting many of the rabbinical laws in the dustbin. And therefore, the Ritva sort of like strengthens it by saying every asmachta is really, in a sense, from the Torah. But I, I do not believe, again, if you're pressed to the wall, I love, I love analyzing asmachtas, but I would say the Rambam's approach is probably the correct one. Although, okay. All right. That is a, a, a very lengthy aside, all coming from this Rashi. Okay. The next Rashi, Zahor, let's take a look at the next Rashi. Zachor ein zechira ele bedavar hamishtakeach. That is the colloquial um, understanding of what the word zechor means. Now, it's also the true. It's true. In other words, if I wouldn't mention Amalek's story, probably people would not know about it. But it doesn't mean I was there to remember it. That's what Rashi is saying. Every Zohar, even the Zohar of Shabbos, is about something that if we didn't make a big deal about Friday night, it would just be, hey, you know, uh, okay, let's, you know. I, I was watching a, um, a miniseries that uh, I, I think uh, edited out some of it might be still uh, appropriate for our audience uh, called The Plot Against America. Uh, based on Philip Roth's book. And uh, the family that is being presented there, the Levin family, uh, pronounced Levin, even though it's spelled L-E-V-I-N. Um, that's a little inside joke for my daughter. Um, but the uh, Levin family in the miniseries uh, has a Shabbos meal every Friday night, and they actually put kipot on and they make a mozi, but right afterwards they they you know they don't care. They they talk about everything else and they turn on the Yankee games and things like that. So the, it, it remind this actually was a zahira to me that if you don't make if you don't really make kiddish and understand what you're saying, even Shabbos can be forgotten. And as you can see, you can pay lip service to something. But you have to be zocher as Shabbos. You have to feel what you're saying in the Kiddush. And if you do that, your whole meal is going to be different. You know, when you speak about Asher Bachar Banu Mikolam, Vermanu Mikolashon, it's a Zechira, because you might forget that. It might just be Friday night. It might just be a night that you're off from work, and you're going to talk about the week and the fights and whatever else is going on in, in, in the world. So Rashi is correct. It isn't just a colloquial thing. Zohar is always about putting something that would lose its importance, in other words. The fight against Amalek. <clears throat> the idea of how special Shabbos is. That's why you have to be Zohar. Even though it's not about remembering Shabbos, it's about presenting it because otherwise people push it out of their mind. Okay. 
And that's, of course, what happens here on Yontem. Let's go to the next Rashi. Very beautiful Rashi. The Rashis in general here on this page are, are, are great. Now, of course, some of you are going to say, well, you know, um, Rashi's always great. Rashi is great and sometimes greater. <laughs> it really depends. There are some places where Rashi is just fabulous. And this is this little piece that we're studying. Rashi is fabulous, really. Fundamental and fabulous. Let's take a look. The next Rashi. Rashi here conjures up a typical yomtiv in the time of Chazal. Kishabo yomtiv be'erev Shabbos. Korov Shabbos lihishtakeach. Shabbos is in danger, is close. Korov, Shabbos is close. Lishtakeach, to be forgotten. Why? Machmas, a key Gemara word. You should underline it if you print this page out. Because of, machmat. I don't think it shows up in the Tanakh anywhere. It might be in modern Hebrew. Avrami, you'll tell me if it is. I don't know if it is. But machmat, maybe they use it in, in modern Israeli, in Israeli culture today. But machmas means because of. Because of Yom Tov. Why is Shabbos in the, in the danger of being forgotten? So Rashi explains. Shemarbe besudos hayom. Because <laughs> Yom Tov is about more kugel, more stuff. It's going to be great. It's Yontav, special pots, pans, dishes, my Zeta's recipe, my Bubi's recipe. Oy, so many food. Oh, we got who's coming over. The, the Schleppers, the Yankels, uh, everyone. And therefore, yeah, thank you, Avrami. I figured it was. It is Maniach. And therefore, Shabbos doesn't get what it deserves, the honor it deserves. Now, Rav Salvechik was famous in, 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 for saying, he said this a number of times, that Yom Tov and Shabbos are, are, are very different socially. Yom Tov, he said, is a time for visits. Not during Corona time, but hopefully it will again. Yom Tov is a time that it makes sense to visit people and for other families to get together. Shabbos, he says, was never meant to be a big visiting time and inviting a whole bunch of guests. True, again, obviously, if someone needs you and and you can help someone, but the idea of of, of large gatherings of people and and large meals was really a yumptive thing, not a Shabbos thing. Shabbos was more insulated. Uh, yeah, of course, you have your family there, and it should it should be meaningful, but yumptive lent itself to larger meals, bigger than Shabbos would be. And that means Shabbos is not going to get the honor it deserves. It's, a typical Shabbos would not get the same amount of dishes necessarily and the same amount of people and the same volume. But Shabbos has got to get something. It's got to get Kedei Kvodo. And Shabbos is in, is in danger of being forgotten. So therefore, his hircha hakatuv, the Torah sort of uh, gives you this adjuration, not a warning. It's saying, please, 
I, I, I'm telling you, I, I maz hear you. I need to, to give you this, this warning, but it's not just a warning. It's sort of like it's an exhortation to understand with Zachro. Don't let it be forgotten. And therefore, if that's what the exhortation is, isn't that the best way? When you set aside that fried fish dish with the egg of our Mishnah, and you've done that, Nimsa, look what you've done. Look at the person. Nimsa, you've done an action that puts Shabbos in your consciousness. Why? What'd you do that for? Hey, what are we getting that fish for? What are you frying that fish for on Thursday? What's with the egg? That action, in a way, is how you remember because of what it means symbolically, of course, as well. And that's how you remember or you don't, didn't allow Shabbos to dissipate. So Rashi did a great job in explaining Shmuel. But now we get to go back to the Gemara. We're going to use Rashi again in a minute. The next two words. My taima. <laughs> okay. Was there something unclear? What's the tam? We know tam, of course, doesn't mean taste here, although we're talking about food. We know tam means the reason, just like the taste and the food is what gives the food is, 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 is what gives the food its 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 essence and makes you want to eat more and it makes it more than just uh, nutrition calories to put into your body. What's the reason behind what you're saying? Well, haven't we said the reason? I just said it. Rashi explained it. What does there need to be my time for? So that is Rashi, going to be Rashi's question. On the question of my time, we have two answers. I want to show you first. Uh, there's two answers here. One is, and we're going to get to the Rashi in a minute. The first answer, as you can see, what I'm doing with the cursor is from Rava. Now, Avrami and others who are part of my shear regularly know that I always refer to Rava with a nickname. I call him the King of Shas. Rava's the king. Rava's the king. However, the next person here is Ravashi. Ravashi is sort of like he he has he has all the cards because he's the editor. There were maybe again there's theories about how deep editing occurred in the Talmud, how many layers. Uh, um, David Weiss, Halivni, and others uh, are, are tremendous proponents of uh, of a way of studying the Talmud, which is called Ravadim which means layers. Being able to see that the Talmud is not one book written in one time, but is actually a book that was edited with a layer on top of another layer. And therefore, that's part of the whole way. It's a very empowering way to study. I do not recommend it uh, for students, although I was in a school where that is the way they taught. And that's part of the reason why I didn't, I probably don't teach in that school anymore. I think one really has to really enjoy the actual what's on the page before you get hypercritical in terms of editing. But one thing, no matter where you're standing on how the Talmud was put together, Rav Ashi is a later name. And Rav Ashi clearly, and again, this is just based on the Rambam and almost the ubiquitousness the, uh, of, and I said that wrong, I'm sure, of Rashi, of Rav Ashi everywhere, 
of Ravashi's name showing up so often, and in the way it shows up, that it's clear Rav Ashi is sort of like the organizer. So Rav is there, and but Rav Ashi is always coming afterwards. I don't; they did not see each other. Uh, Rav Ashi's older friend, who became his student, Ravina, did study under Rav. But I don't; I believe Rav Ashi was born when Rav died. They were not contemporaries together. Ravashi and Rava always means there's going to be Rava's take, and Ravashi is going to give you what he believes is the best take. So even though Rava is the king of Shas, Ravashi has the editor's rights. And many times he sets himself up vis-a-vis Rava. Okay? I'll get into why with Abai and Rava. It's a different thing. But here's Rava vis-a-vis Ravashi. So that's, to me, always interesting when Rav and Ravashi, Ravashi clearly knew Rav and knew what Rav said, and he sets up his statement versus Rav. So let's see. So first of all, we got to figure out what the Maitaima is, and then we have Rav and Ravashi. So I'm, gonna, I'm going to go through Rav and Ravashi, then we're going to do the Rashi on Maitaima. So I'm a Rav. Kidei, in order. She Yivroar, next line, Mana Yafa Lishabat, Umana Yafa Liyamtav. Erev Tavshilin is about, and this aligns very much, it seems, with the way Rashi explained Shmuel's Asmachta. This makes sure that there gets to be a Mana Yafa. Again, what is considered Yafa? Sometimes it's in the eye of the beholder. It's not exactly beautiful. But it means decent, right? It isn't just a, a potato, you know, or is, or a noodle, right? It's mana yafe. It's something that is decent. It's something that it has, uh, it has a, a good element. It has, it looks like a meal. It's yafe. Mana, of course, is a portion, right? A mana is a portion, right? Uh, it ended up being also another way of saying a decent amount of money, right? Money was like a hundred zoos was a money. But the word money is, is like a good, big, nice amount. And this way, yivroar means you've, you, 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 like the word borer, you've chosen, you've been able to uh, put away, separate a money yofe for Shabbos. And therefore, Right? A mona yafa liyamtov. Now, that doesn't mean that the egg with the, um, the, the, the fried fish with the eggs uh, yolk uh, uh, on it from marinating on it from yesterday is considered a mona yafa. But it's the start of the mona yafa. In other words, this will make sure that Shabbos gets its mona yafa. All right? It'll get. And of course, Yantif is always getting its money off because you're in Yantif. That is Rava. Let's see, Rav Ashi. Rav Ashi places himself specifically after Rava. The Gemara places him, but Rav Ashi Omar. And you can say, look at Rav Ashi, and you can see this little Dalid. That's already the key, as you know, that somehow Rav Ashi's reason is going to be a more halachically acceptable reason. 
That Dalit, of course, takes us on the Gemara page, right up here to the Rambam, Halacha. That's the Dalit right here. Okay? That's where the Dalit goes. So it sounds like the Ram, Rav Ashi is going to be the more acceptable one, which is not surprising. Let's see. Kidei, in order, Sheyomru, that they should say, the people should say, that 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 the Jewish observant community should say, what should they say? Ein ofin miyom Shabbat. We had to do Erev Tavshilin. Why? Because we needed to start the meal from before. You can't just cook on Yontav for Shabbos. They aren't all the same. It isn't just, well, Shabbos is holy and Yomtev is holy. Why can't you start on Yomtev and cook for Shabbos? Like an Eretz Yisrael this year. Okay, Shavuos is Friday. Shabbos is Shabbos. Isn't, aren't Shabbos and Yomtev sort of of the same holy matter? Let me cook on Shavuos for Yomtev. No, I don't want people to say that. Now, that means, Kivalevich is going to say, and which is true, that really, we get back to Asmachta again, According to the Torah, you can. According to the Torah, you can actually cook from Yom Tov to Shabbos. That isn't considered a violation of, of, of Ochel Nefesh. Why? Because the Kedusha is one. It's not exactly the same. But again, you don't make Avdola going into to Shabbos, right? From Yom Tov. The Kedusha just builds. When, when a, it's a Friday Yom Tov, now we have an upgrade, but it isn't starting the book from zero. What it is is that there's an expansion of the Kedush of Yom to flowering into Shabbos. That's the way it really is. So listen to what I'm saying. You, Ravashi says, I want, we want people to make a halachic mistake. We, don't, we want them to be inexact. We want them to believe you're not allowed, even from the Torah, to cook from Shabbos, from Yom Tov to Shabbos. Do you know why we did that? you know why we want to plant this mistake in people's minds and therefore force them to get ready for Yom Tov by Shabbos by doing Erev Tavshilin? In other words, it's, it's almost like we're creating a rabbinic law, as we saw in the Mishnah, that's rabbinic in nature. The rabbis, what they did was, and this is where you see, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain. Ravashi is saying, he's revealing it. He's saying, really, you can cook from Shabbos, from Yontif to Shabbos. The rabbis, however, created a rabbinic Avera for doing it, and they gave the option of how to fix it by doing Erev Tavshilin. And the reason why they did that was to protect the Kedusha of Yom Tov. Why? Kedesh Yomru ain't open the Yom Tov That Yom Tov is Yom Tov. Ochel Nefesh cooking is only for the sake of Yom Tov. It doesn't even work if you're trying to cook for its older cousin Shabbos. That even though they're sort of related with the blood of holiness, no, Yom Tif is only for itself. Kal v'chomer, and this is what they were trying to get at. Kal v'chomer mi Yom Tif 
This will make sure people will now say, ooh, I couldn't even cook for Shabbos. I ain't cooking for Chol. I'm not going to use Shavuos Day to, to start cooking and canning peaches for the whole summer. I'm not going to start cooking and putting stuff in the freezer. I'm not going to make uh, 80 uh, canisters of soup and put them away. That's what we were afraid of. Because you have the day off. You're allowed to cook. You think, hey, I'm cooking. Maybe I can just do any ochel nefesh that I want. That is what we were afraid of. And in order to, that would have been a malacha from the Torah. Because that means you're not cooking for yourself at all. You're cooking for a weekday. That would be a malacha from the Torah. Listen to what I'm going to say. That you'd be of makos for. That would be an Easter malacha on Yontif. It's, it's not, you're not of skilo like you would be for Chil Shabbat. But doing a malacha on Yomtev for a weekday, even if it's an ochel nefesh malacha, is a violation. If with warning in the time of Bezdin, in the time of, uh, of the Sanhedrin, you would be taken and beat corporal punishment for doing that. That's a lot from the Torah. Eating chazer, wearing shatnas, cooking from Yomtev Fuchol is a lot from the Torah. In order to protect that, because people could play fast and loose with it. What we did was we created an Isser to cook on Yom for Shabbos as well. However, we provided a way out, a very easy way out. All you got to do is take a fried fish and, and crack an egg over it or anything like that, and you're fine. So that is Rav Ashi's answer. Now, if you think about it, and we're coming towards the end here already, if you think about it, there is going to be a very important difference between the two. Because if you, and and Rashi explains it, we're not going to go into the Rashi inside today, but there's a very big difference. According to Rava, let's go back to Rava. According to Rava, the idea is, poor Shabbos, it's got to be remembered. Rava is very much in tune with what Shmuel said. Remember Shabbos, remember me, right? From Coco, right? Remember Shabbos, remember Shabbos. Shabbos is going to be forgotten. Do something. Okay, so it's all about protecting Shabbos. According to Ravashi, this is part of the big plan of, of, of how we structure the Isra the Rabbanon of cooking from Yantif to Shabbos. And this is the way out. So now the Gemara says, therefore, it's really about protecting Yontif. That's what it's about. So let's see. The, the, the Gemara now is going to sort of like stack the deck for Ravashi. <laughs> and again, did Ravashi write this part? Was it the later rabbis who wrote it? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was a later period. But Tanan, this is a key Gemara word. Let's quote our Mishnah that we did yesterday. You put quotation marks here. Oset tavshil me'er of yomtev v'somech alav l'shabbos. When are you supposed to put this this special tavshil? Uh, when are you supposed to take that fried fish and uh, roast it and have it ready? It's got to be on Thursday afternoon. It can't be Thursday night. And that's what you are using depending on it, to cook on Friday for the sake of Shabbos. 
So the Gemara says, key Gemara word coming up, Bishlama, coming from the word Shalom, or Shlemut. It's Shalom. It's good. It's Shalem. It works. It, it works well. Bishlama, Bishlama Rav Ashi. With Ravashi, this works well. Ravashi's sitting pretty. Ravashi's in Shalomville. Ravashi's well. Ravashi's perfect. Why? Because he said, the, um, I remember what he said. That was what he said, quoting Ravashi. Hainu, another Kigamar word. That is why it's true. That it needs to be that fish dish needs to be set up on Thursday afternoon at least. The air of Yomtev. It has to be Thursday. It has to be done. Here's a key Gemara word. Ain <laughs> doesn't mean no. It means it's it's like the Hebrew Cain, which is yes, Cain, straight like uh, Al Kano. In Aramaic, it becomes Ain. Talmud teachers, including probably of Rami, the ones in the JEC, taught this as in, <laughs> because it got confusing. So for hundreds and hundreds of years, the Gemara teachers have been, have been mispronouncing this because they didn't want to say the word ain, because ain, is, ain means no. What do you mean ain is yes? But actually, in, in Aramaic, it would be ain. But the way Talmud teachers have taught this word is in. <laughs> Although the yud, in, what's the yud doing there? Right. But that is the way, uh, this was one of the um, uh, little quirks uh, of the way uh, the Talmud uh, is taught so people aren't don't get confused. So I'm going to follow what my Rebbeim taught me as well when I teach this and say, to me, Erev Yomtev, in. Erev Yomtev, yes. Biyomtev, low. But you can't do it on Yomtev. You know why you can't do it on Yomtev? Because the whole point is Yomtif is holy. Yomtif, oh, I can't start this cooking on Yomtif. I've got to start my Shabbos cooking before Yomtif and finish it on Yomtif. That's why you can't start on Yomtif. It's all part of the same piece. Because if you could set your Erev Tavshilin up on, on, on Shabbos, then you'd start cooking the whole thing on Shabbos. The whole point is you can't cook from Yomtif to Shabbos. You, you need to get this thing ready and place it before. Because the whole point is a protection of Yantif. Elorava, but according to Rava, it's all about, hey, don't forget Shabbos. My area, why is it so important? What's the significance of why is it got to be specifically my area, another Kigamar word, may Erev Yantif? Why does it have to be an Erev Yantif thing? If the guy is busy on Thursday afternoon, why can't he do what? Why can't he set it up? Set up his Eruv. Tell him to set it up. nami. He should be able to set it up even on Yomtov nami also. Right? Now Rashi points out here, one second. Didn't we say before with Shmuel, you're going to get so uh, for Newman with the hundreds of guests you have and all the socializing? So Rashi points out, Yaseyu lifnei sudas yomtov. Do it before you get ready with your meals. Maybe Thursday night. 
before you're cooking like crazy for all the guests that are coming. And as Rashi says, Yesh Khan Zechira Shabbat. Thursday night would be good enough. Why does it have to be or early Friday morning before you, you roll up your sleeves and take out the onions? Why can't it be on Yantif itself? Which means that sounds like Ravashi is right. It's all about protecting Yontif, not protecting Shabbos, despite what Shmuel's drasha was. So the Gemara here sort of says, this is where, let's say, if Rava and Ravashi are in a boxing match, Ravashi, Rava, Rava wasn't knocked out, but he sort of has to lose points, and he doesn't win this round, but he's still standing at the end of the round. And why is he still standing? Because the Gemara answers for the sake of Rava. Ain't You've heard this word before. Yeah, it's true. Ain't Yeah, it's true. It really, you should be able to do it technically Thursday night or Friday morning. It really doesn't need to be something. Remember your Eruv on before Yomtev. You're right. The way Rava created the idea of Eruv Tavshilin, it really isn't about the Isser of cooking for Shabbos. It's about a protection for Shabbos. That, that protection should be able to be done on Yantif as well before you get into the tumult. Ella, the reason why the rabbis added, according to Rava, this extra layer of legislation, which was unnecessary. Now, that's according to Ravashi, that's not an extra layer. It's part and parcel of what we're trying to do, which is to protect the, the, the rabbinic sanctity that we're trying to give Yontif in order that people should not do the Aveir of cooking on Yontif to a weekday. So we have to turn Yontif into this getchka and not allow any cooking or any preparing or anything done on Yontif itself for this. So we make you do the air of Tavshiwan, cook the air of Tavshiwan, set up the air of Tavshiwan, make the bracha before Yontif. But according to Ravashi, it really doesn't have to be that way. And Ravashi admits, yeah, I took the, the uppercut into my cheek. Yeah, technically you're right. Doesn't Rav, I'm saying, uh, you don't really have to be that way. Ella, the reason why the rabbis insisted it should be on Thursday afternoon, Gezeira, they were scared. <laughs> Gezeira here means something that's cut, really, like Gozer. But here it means it was, they actually were worried it was, and it was, they, they cut it that way. They cut the law in such a way and demanded it be done on Thursday because we were worried, Shema, maybe, because you're going to get, you're going to forget about things. And what's going to happen? You're not going to do it on Thursday night. You're going to say, oh, I'm so tired. I'll do it Friday morning. Friday morning, again, you roll up your sleeves, you start the meal, and you forget it. So the rabbis, knowing human nature, tied another little caveat into it, which was, take care of this. On- Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. Thank you.